Welcome to the Original Design Restored podcast. I'm Katie Tremonti, and I'm so happy to have you joining us today. In our episode today, I actually will be sharing a lie I've believed and the truth that God has brought in and counteracted that lie. So there won't be a guest today. It's just me. And as I've been working on this series, I've actually been really curious about what lie would I share if I did an episode? Which lie would I choose? Because to be honest, there have been many lies that I have been facing and dismantling and then rebuilding a life based on truth in the last decade. As I was preparing for this season, I kind of just have been reflecting on the lies that I believed and simultaneous to preparing for this season, I've been reading The Soul of Desire by Kurt Thompson. And so the other day I was reading the chapter Inquire and towards the end of it, there's, or in the chapter Inquire, it's towards the end of the book. In it, he is talking about an event he was at, I believe a speaking event and talks about an audience and an audience member gets up and asks this question, what can I do to get my friend to want to get help? And he goes on to describe kind of an interaction between him and the audience member. And he's really trying to unearth why it's so important to this woman for her friend to get help. And she begins to play out the scenario that will play out in her friend's life if her friend doesn't get help and basically how worried she is for her friend. And as I'm reading, this portion of this book could be about me. And and so I keep reading and he asks her, what would happen to her friend and what that would cause this woman that's the audience member to feel. And and then he continues this dialogue and eventually he looks at her and asks, how long have you felt responsible for making sure the important people in your life are okay? All my life, she responded. And he goes on to describe how significant that interaction was for this woman through asking questions, he was able to find out what was going on with her, why her friend getting help was so significant, and what that said about her if her friend didn't. And he was able to unearth all of this fear that she was carrying around, all of this shame that she was carrying around, and that if her friend didn't get help, what she would begin to feel about herself in being unable to motivate her friend to get help, in being unable to essentially, he doesn't say this in the book, but to essentially rescue her friend. And as I read that this week, it deeply resonated with a lie that I've been dismantling, been deconstructing in my life for probably maybe the last five to six years, but most recently, maybe the last two to three and so to kind of bring that into my story, that's that's from a book that I was reading and it resonated so deeply with me, that feeling of needing to make sure that the people that I love the most are okay. And I don't even know when I began believing that lie, but I know that since early childhood, I have felt a responsibility to make sure that those that I love the most were okay. And when I believe that lie, when I believe that it is my responsibility to make others okay, then I act in ways that are over-responsible, which is detrimental to myself, but it's also detrimental to others. Because when I believe that I need to make others okay, I act in ways that are judgmental, controlling, and critical. And when this lie plays out, so 
at the end of the slide, the, the real question is, and he really is digging into this with this in the book, he's digging into this with this woman. So in my own story, as I've been reflecting on this, preparing to share this, what I've been unearthing in my own heart and in my own mind is when this lie plays out that it's in my life, when I've believed this lie, that I am responsible to make sure that others are okay, especially those that I love the most, the people that matter the most to me. When If I'm responsible to make sure that they're okay, that means that if something bad happens in their lives or happens to them, then that means that I failed the people that I love the most. I never consciously thought this, so I want to explain that often the lies that we believe. And you, I think as we're listening through this, this series, this season on Tell the Truth, often the lies that we believe, we don't actually consciously at some moment, I mean, some of us do, but not always do we consciously make a, a decision that this is what I believe right now and now I'll live out of that. Those lies get formed and shaped and brought in and, and we adopt them and begin to live out of them in very subconscious ways. And so I can't pinpoint a moment where I thought, okay, now I'm responsible to make sure everyone's okay. I just always have. And I don't know where it started or how that shaped. I don't know that those words were ever even spoken to me. It was a sense that I felt and then began to live out of. So it's not as much that I ever consciously thought. I, In fact, I never consciously thought if something bad happens, that means that I failed the people that I love the most. But it's something that I internalize so deeply that I function from that lie. And really, because when I believe and when I have believed that I've got to make sure everyone's okay, and then if they're not, I failed, that speaks more to my fears and what I'm afraid of and my inability and my vulnerability and my limitations than it really speaks about anybody else. I, I would say that this lie, I mean, I can track it back. Probably, if I go through memories, probably as early as first or second grade, I know of memories where I felt responsible to make sure someone else was okay. And I would say that this primarily played out early on in my relationships with my siblings as we were growing up. And then sadly, I will say on into adulthood, because I had not faced these lies that I believed until after I was 30. So we're talking a lot of adulthood but not only did it play out in my relationship with my siblings, it also has played out in my friendships, in my marriage, and in parenting my boys. And I will say, this is one of the hardest lies to undo while you're also a parent, because on one sense, you're responsible for your own children, and in another sense, you're not responsible for how they live their lives, right? And you're responsible to steward and to parent and to guide and to shepherd and to love and to discipline. And yet they are their own whole separate people. And I will say this has been one of my most challenging life's work as a parent is to undo this lie while also being a parent. And and yet it's probably the most significant lie I could undo because I want their lives and their relationship with me to play out in such a way that as they become adults, they do have a sense of separateness and personhood. And so it is worth the work now, even as I'm parenting and am responsible to care for these humans, to work out the fact that I'm not responsible to make sure that they're okay. So that's me sharing about where this lie plays out. But let me kind of, kind of back up again to in my life as I functioned out of this lie and didn't even know that I was. I mean, truly believed that this was what I was supposed to do and didn't even have words. I wouldn't have articulated, I believe it's my responsibility to make sure everyone's okay. I didn't have that. I didn't have that, even that clarity. And honestly, that's where these lies come in. And so many, the lies that we believe and the lies that we're hearing in this season, these come in in such ways that we don't even realize what it is that we're believing or that it's come from 
spiritual forces of evil that it's come from outside of us and been brought in for us to believe. So I would function out of this without even knowing this is something I believe. I would not have articulated that, but I lived, like if you looked at my life the first 30 years and, and into my 30s, but I would say that I began to dismantle lies in my 30s. If you looked at my life the first 30 years and you could say, you could describe what I believe, you would see that I believe that I'm responsible to make sure that others are okay, especially the people I love the most. And so functioning out of, out of this mindset has truly brought harm in many of my relationships. It is out of this mindset that I have to make sure that others are okay, that I have said and done some of the most hurtful things of my life. I've wanted things to turn out well for the people that I love in the lives of those I care about. But in doing so, like in wanting that, functioning out of this false mindset, this false paradigm, then I take on an over-responsible role for other people's lives. And I ultimately come out, like come across and say and do things that are controlling, judgmental, critical, and hurtful and harmful. Because if I have to make sure that your life turns out okay, like if that's how I function towards others because I feel responsible, then whoever that is, whether it's a sibling, my husband, my kids, my friends, if I'm functioning that way toward another person, then that person is not free to be who they are. That person is not free to be themselves. At least, I mean, they are <laughs> overarching spiritual truth. They are free to be themselves like under God, you know, and in life. But in relationship to me, when I'm functioning out of that place, I have not allowed them to be free to be who they are. And I am not free either because this way of thinking that I have to make sure you're okay, that way of thinking that it's my responsibility violates personhood. When I have to make sure that you're okay, I have violated your personhood and my personhood. The damage and the limit to relationship is huge. Okay, so that's all a lie, right? And how I lived out of that lie. But then how did God bring about the truth and how is God changing me? And I will say is because this is a current process that I am in. There were a handful of painful experiences in relationships where I genuinely was functioning out of fear of others experiencing harm or bad things or trauma, so afraid of not being able to stop the pain that I kind of hit a point where I could not get others to do what I thought they needed to do to be okay. And so I became fearful and over-responsible and over-connected. And I functioned in ways that were harmful to relationships because I had not released others to be who they were, I had not released others to Jesus. So as those places kind of came to a head, I began experiencing a lot of pain in relationships. And a lot of that pain was from my own, like my own believing this lie, like believing this lie and how I was functioning in relationships was bringing me pain. And I was bringing others pain as well. I was hurting others. And through realizing that I had hurt other people and had harmed relationships when I functioned out of these places, out of this place of really wanting to make sure that others were okay and being afraid of what that would mean if I couldn't get them to be okay, couldn't get their lives to be okay, I had to begin to face, why am I doing that? Why am I functioning this way? Why do I overstep people's personal boundaries, the personhood and personhood boundaries. Like, why do I overstep those places? What am I afraid of? 
And as I began to unpack this, a lot of that honestly was in conversation with my husband, Val. Like we would talk and as I was experiencing relationship pain, painful relationships, painful experiences in relationships, feeling my limits and feeling so afraid that if I could not fix things, kind of this sense that everything would fall apart. But really what it was saying is I will feel so much shame. I will feel so much failure if I can't make this okay for someone else. As I began to talk about that with Val, I began to be able to articulate what I was feeling, what the limits actually are to personhood and how I wasn't functioning well in those spaces. And then I also went to therapy and I actually went to therapy kind of out of facing some of this, this pain in relationship and some of these limits in relationship. I had hit a wall and needed help. So I went to therapy to say, I need to unpack why this dynamic is so hard for me. In therapy, I did EMDR therapy, which if you haven't heard of that, it is definitely worth looking into if you've experienced any kind of, kind of trauma, but describing all of that will be for another episode at some other time, but just kind of a side note on that. So in one of my therapy sessions, I was sharing kind of, I mean, we were unpacking a lot of stuff about life, right? So in a therapy session, I was recognizing that some of the people I felt most responsible for in my life were my siblings. I am the oldest of four. I have two sisters and a brother. Um, one of my sisters is very close to my age, but then my other sister and my brother are over a decade younger than me. And, and genuinely, I have felt for most of my life, I have felt responsible to make sure my siblings were okay. And I can pinpoint childhood memories and teenage memories and then adult memories of wanting to protect, wanting to look out, feeling responsible, but it was over responsible. And as I began unpacking this lie in my life, understanding that I have felt over responsible for their lives and then friends and my husband and my kids. I mean, it just goes on, but, but in this therapy se session, bringing it back to this, in this therapy session, we were unpacking really my relationship to my siblings and that weight of responsibility. And as we were unpacking that, we kind of went into, so in EMDR, you kind of do some like imagery work. I guess that's the best way to say it. But um, I had the privilege of working with a Christian therapist. So as we would do kind of the EMDR framework um, for imagery work, kind of looking at memories in that, that space. I also was engaging imaginative prayer. So if you have listened to some of our episodes, I think we've talked about imaginative prayer in the past on these ODR podcasts. And then at our intensive, that's the intensives. That's something that we do is imaginative prayer. So I was in this EMDR session. We're talking about my feelings of responsibility towards my siblings and truly loving them so much, but to an over-responsible extent that I wanted to always make sure they were okay. And so we're, we're kind of going into that feeling, into that place. And I'm also, I'm doing the EMDR framework, but I'm also engaging imaginative prayer. And so that combination of EMDR plus the Holy Spirit and Jesus present in that space, like God could heal something pretty profoundly. And, and so in that therapy session, I as I was unpacking that sense of responsibility, I sensed myself in a very familiar and favorite location. And it's a place that I had spent time with my family growing up. And in that therapy session, the image that I sensed God giving me was myself enjoying my time in a body of water, just relaxing, enjoying. And my siblings were on the beach and they were 
okay. And I felt this sense of peace and release that they were okay and I could be at a distance from them and I could enjoy my life and they could be enjoying their lives and I didn't have to carry responsibility for them being okay anymore. And the kind of the phrase that solidified all of that that God gave me through that season, specifically about my siblings, but it has translated to friendships, marriage, parenting, is the phrase, let them live their lives. And so counteracting that idea that it's my job to make sure everyone's okay, and if I don't, I will fail them and ultimately feel shame, God allowed me to begin walking in truth by releasing my siblings, who I had felt so much responsibility for, but then also owning the truth to, in terms of others, and my relationship and kind of orientation to others is to let them live their lives. And that is so freeing in the sense that I don't have to carry the weight for others living their lives. I don't have to carry the weight for making sure everyone else is okay, especially those that I love. Making sure others were okay was never mine to carry. And really when that lie was in place, I was so afraid of not being able to prevent bad things, which really is more about me and my shame and my fear of failure than it was about anyone else. And as soon as I began to let others live their lives and begin to orient myself toward others in that way, I began to actually engage with others from a place of mutuality. In addition, I... The other thing that is happening really like the spiritual, the like um, gospel truth under all of this is when I began that process of releasing others to let them live their lives, I was ultimately removing my plate, myself from the place that I was never meant to be in. And that is the place of rescuer. And I would, there is a season where I've been so embarrassed or ashamed to even say that I was wanting to play that role or playing in that role because I know that Jesus is the rescuer, but my life was reflecting something different that, that I had to rescue. I had to fix. I had to make sure it was okay. And so as I began to orient myself around or in relationship to others where others live their lives and I free others to live their lives and I work on my life, what I'm actually doing is removing myself from the place of rescuer, which I was never meant to be. I was never meant to carry and recognizing that Jesus is meant to be that role for everyone. Jesus holds all things together, not me. And when I do this, then instead of worrying about what is happening in others' lives, I begin to do the work on me that I need to do. I begin to pursue the healing that I need to pursue. Because if I'm so worried about whether or not you're okay, then I'm actually not paying attention to what's not working in my life and whether or not I'm okay. And so what does that look like now? What does it look like to walk in the truth now of when I feel that it's my responsibility to make sure everyone else is okay, when I feel that it's my responsibility to make sure that those I love the most are okay and bad things don't happen to them, or when I start to become judgmental and controlling and critical, that's a check for me. Like that, that attitude, that spirit of judgmental, cr critical, controlling is a signal to me that something is off inside of me 
and there is something wrong in my orientation to others, in my relating to others. And so when I feel those those things rise up and I become self-aware that either I'm feeling over-responsible or I'm starting to feel judgmental or critical, I repeat to myself, let them live their lives. And I literally sometimes need to like whisper it or visualize it or say it just even inside of myself, let them live their lives. Or at other times, there's a quote that John Eldridge and his wife, they pray this often as they do ministry, as they care for people and what they pray. I believe it's in his book, Get Your Life Back, but it might have been in a podcast episode. I'm not 100% sure what they pray is. I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. And sometimes I literally have to visualize handing people that I'm feeling over-responsible for or judgmental of or critical towards literally picturing myself holding them and handing them to Jesus to hold. If I am actually really concerned about something in someone's life, there is a place to speak, but let me explain how. So when I say let them live their lives or moving into the truth that I'm not responsible to make sure that others are okay, that is not devoid of now I just, you know, put blinders on and never care about anybody else or that now, you know, like there's no words to ever offer to anybody. That's not actually the truth either. But there are very clear parameters as I'm going through this process, as I'm learning and growing for myself personally, I am learning that there are very healthy and clear parameters to how and when to speak something to someone else if there is a concern, if there is something that you're watching in a close relationship and you're seeing something that could be detrimental or even calling forward like, hey, you're gifted for this. Rather than overstepping personhood boundaries, there are ways to ask first before offering words for what you see. And it becomes no longer about fixing, but about speaking life. And that looks like, first of all, having some kind of imagery of personhood, separateness of persons. And so for me, the the thing that um, Val and I have used in our marriage, an image one day that I, imagery that I could see one day when we were talking is even in marriage, each of us kind of around our heart and by heart, I would say our emotional being our, and our mental being around my heart, I visualize that there is a fence and that there is a gate and that gate is the place where I get to decide to let people in or not. When I offer unsolicited advice, when I feel like I need to make sure everyone else is okay for me to be okay, when I try to control or fix someone else, I am genuinely and literally jumping that heart fence, basically jumping over the fence of someone's soul or heart and breaking that boundary of personhood. And then I, you know, can very unhealthily and dysfunctionally get involved inside that space. And that is unhealthy. That would be the place that I had functioned from for a long time. And as I began to get that imagery of a heart fence and a gate, Val and I began to talk about that one day and kind of flesh out what that would look like for us in relationship and in relating. And I don't do it perfectly, even in marriage or especially in marriage, I would say. But it's this idea that... If I have something to say to someone else that, that could be beneficial, that could be helpful, I ask permission first. So it's like standing at the gate of someone's heart and asking, may I share something with you about that? May I offer feedback? May I speak into that? And allowing them to say yes or no and expecting that they could say no 
And they, they may say yes, but they could say no. And being ready for whatever level of permission that other person gives to speaking. And, and there have been times, and actually there have been more than a few times, where Val will want to share something and he'll ask, can I share something with you about that? And I will say no, I'm not ready. And honestly, having him ask most often later, I will come back and be like, okay, yeah, now I'm ready to hear what you have to say. And it gives the person, their own personhood, which they're meant to already have, that we are meant to be whole people without other people jumping in and mixing in. But learning how to relate in that way for me personally has been such a huge challenge because of these lies that I believe. Like I literally believe that I'm responsible to make everyone okay. So then I have jumped, you know, personhood fences, personhood boundaries, heart fences all the time without standing at the gate and asking for permission to enter. And so that's kind of the imagery. So for me, going back to what does it look like to live out of the truth? When I notice that I'm being over-responsible, judgmental, critical, controlling, the question for me is to ask why, and then really to begin to release others, let them live their lives, or to hand people over to Jesus to hold, because I am not him. I am not the rescuer. I do not get to fix or hold things together. So I hand people over to Jesus and pray. I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. And then in close, safe, trusted spaces, if there are times to say something, if I do have something that I think this may be helpful, this may be worth sharing, I am learning to ask with that image of a fence around each person's heart, that image of each person being their own whole person a sense of the boundaries of personhood, then I visualize being at that gate and asking, may I share something with you? May I offer some feedback? May I speak into that? And waiting for the answer and waiting for the permission before I jump the heart fence. And honestly, because I had lived out of this life for so long, I'm also learning how to acknowledge when I have judged or controlled or been critical and apologize. And this plays out in marriage, in friendships, in family relationships with my boys. And honestly, in the past year, I've had to apologize quite a few times to more than a handful of people for having functioned out of that over-responsible space and causing damage in a lot of my relationships. And so living from the truth now also means acknowledging how I've lived in the past, what I've done, what that looked like to live out of that space, acknowledging the damage that was caused, and apologizing and asking for forgiveness. The result of living from this place, living from a place of release, and from a place of respecting personhood, and from a place of not carrying the weight of making sure everyone is okay, in the end, when I'm living from this place, I can give energy to my life instead of spending it on trying to fix or make others okay. I can give energy to my healing, my growth, my calling, and my creativity, the things that God designed me to do on this earth. I can give energy to that and reflect more of God when I'm living out of the truth than when I'm living out of the lie and spending all of this energy trying to make sure everyone's okay because I'm so afraid of failing those I love. And in fact, it's really interesting because all of that time as I 
grew up and on into adulthood in family relationships, marriage, and friendships. So almost all of my relationships, as I functioned from wanting to make sure everyone was okay, I, I thought that was loving. I didn't articulate that like I wouldn't have articulated. I'm trying to make sure everyone's okay because that's how I love people. But that's kind of like if you look at my life playing out, that's what you would see. And you would assume from how I live that that's what I believed. I thought that that equaled closeness and connection. I thought that by making sure everyone was okay, that would be loving. But the thing is, there's just too much control in that. There's a lack of personhood and an over-responsibility and really a level of control that is not healthy and does not allow two people to be whole other people. And so from the place of release and personhood, I actually get to finally enjoy the people in my life as whole and other. I'm no longer worried about making sure they're okay, so now I get to enjoy them. Their lives are not dependent on me making sure that they're okay. I mean, they never were, <laughs> first of all. They never were. But I no longer think, I no longer believe subconsciously that I've got to make sure they're okay, that their lives are dependent on me doing what I'm supposed to do. Otherwise, I'm going to fail and feel shame. Instead, I finally get to enjoy people for who they are as whole and separate, and I get to enjoy them instead of carrying the weight of trying to make sure they're okay. When I release, let them live their lives, when I release people to be their own whole persons, the opportunity for mutuality in relationship begins. When I feel that I must control someone else, that we must get to the same end, it limits the opportunity for closeness. However, when I release another to their own personhood, the potential for closeness expands because now that person and myself can be fully known and accepted as we each are. If I'm trying to control the outcome of your life, I can never fully know you and you can never fully know me because I will be functioning from fear and shame and control and you will never fully be free. And so as I release and let people live their lives, as I do that, I have the opportunity to genuinely get to know others and to be known by others. And truly, as I'm sharing this today, this is what I am working out in my life. This is what I have been working out the last few years how to function from the truth in this reality. If this resonates with you, there are two things I want to recommend. I mean, there's a lot of things to read and process and think about, but from a place of beauty and reflectiveness, I would recommend reading the poem, The Journey by Mary Oliver, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And then also I'd recommend watching the movie Encanto. That movie speaks so powerfully and really profoundly. I mean, it's a profound depiction of dysfunctional family roles. And I could spend an hour talking about how phenomenally put together that movie is. But I would say that if this particular episode resonates with you, I would recommend reading the poem, The Journey by Mary Oliver, and then watching Encanto and finding yourself in that story as well. And then just as we close, I want to say thank you for joining me for this conversation. To find out more about Original Design Restored and what we do, head to our website. The link is in the show notes. And also, if this season or this podcast has impacted you, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. This helps others find the ODR content. 
And finally, in closing, I want to offer this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.